Phineas Gage was one of the five children born to Hannah Gage and Jesse Gage on July 9, 1823. Both of his parents were farmers in Grafton County, New Hampshire, and although Phineas didn't receive any formal education when he was younger, many of his later co-workers would describe him as shrewd and intelligent. At the age of 25, he started working as a foreman of a railway construction in Vermont when the infamous accident took place. On September 13th, as Phineas was going about his day, an accidental charge he set earlier went off and blew a tamping iron into his head. The tamping iron was 3 feet and 7 inches long and weighed about 13 and a half pounds. It entered through the side of his face, shattering his cheekbone. The rod continued through his left eye and finally at the top of his head. The force of the blast knocked him out, but moments later he was standing and talking as if nothing happened. His co-worker rushed him to the nearest hospital and as he went up to the doctor's room, he casually said to him, see you tomorrow. This case is particularly interesting because it was rare to sustain such injuries and still survive. This makes him the most famous person to survive severe brain damage. To understand why Phineas was still alive and doing basic tasks, scientists set out to investigate the phenomenon, so became Phineas the man who began neuroscience. As the doctors examined him, the most they found was excessive bleeding. In fact, he lost so much blood that he was vomiting and his left eye appeared gray and glossy. Phineas also reported not feeling much pain after having a metal rod sever and fracture his skull. However, a few hours later, he began to feel so much worse. He fell into some sort of coma and can only speak a few syllables, but then on October 3rd, he regained consciousness and through rehab, he was able to start talking and walking in just a few days. Although he wasn't in much physical pain, Phineas seemed very different prior to the accident. His friends and co-workers said he didn't seem like himself. Months after the incident, Phineas seemed to be well, if not thriving. He even felt strong enough to return back to work, to which his boss declined due to his personality change. He was more agitated and profane now, but before the accident, Phineas was a pleasant and hardworking man. His mother said that he used to make up stories of his adventure and entertain his small nephews and nieces. This all really ties into how much the accident affected Phineas and his family. Around 1850, after Phineas was well enough to fly, he traveled to Boston to visit Dr. Bigelow, the head of surgery at Harvard University, who wrote about him in the American Journal of Medical Science making national headlines, which only propelled the case. He later wrote about him in the American Journal of Medical Science, which made national headlines and only propelled the case. In the paper, Dr. Bigelow reported that the rod had gone through Phineas's frontal lobe. Since it was the 1800, it wasn't a known fact that the frontal lobe is responsible for regulating emotion and judgment, all of which affect personality. Although he wasn't able to get his old job back, he did go on to hold a number of jobs, including working at a museum and a hotel, with his final job in Chile, driving coaches and caring for horses. However, this didn't really last for long because his health began to go downhill, which forced him to move back to San Francisco with his family in 1859. In 1860, Phineas began suffering from a series of seizures which lasted till May when he died on May 3, 1860.